Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the black effect presents family therapy and i'm your host elliot connie Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Psychology Podcast, where we give you insights into the mind, brain, behavior, and creativity. I'm Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman, and in each episode, I have a conversation with a guest who will stimulate your mind and give you a greater understanding of yourself, others, and the world we live in. Hopefully, we'll also provide a glimpse into human possibility. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the podcast. Today, it's great to have Stephen Hayes on the podcast. Dr. Hayes is a professor of psychology at the University of Nevada, Reno. The author of 43 books and more than 600 scientific articles, he has served as president of the Association for Behavioral and Cognitive Therapy and the Association for Contextual Behavioral Science, and is one of the most cited psychologists in the world. <laughs> Dr. Hayes initiated the development of Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, ACT, and of Relational Frame Therapy, RFT, the approach to cognition on which ACT is based. His research has been cited widely by major media, including Time Magazine, The New Yorker, The New York Times, Men's Health, Self, The Wall Street Journal, Psychology Today, O, The Oprah Magazine, and Salon.com. Whew, so great to have you on the Psychology Podcast for the return of the new season. Yeah, it's awesome to be here and to be here at... Awesome to be here and also to be here at the inaugural uh, event of yes. the new season. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm glad I'm first out of the gate. Thanks. This is a big deal because uh, we've never had a video before on yeah. the Psychology Podcast. Now it's comes to psychology comes to life. Maybe that's what I should rename the podcast. I don't know. Good name. <laughs> but anyway, uh -oh. so this is your new book. Yeah. What a terrific book. It brings together your life's work, right? It does. It really is. I mean... 
There's no other way, uh, way of saying There's that. There's another way to say it. I mean, uh, I feel the ego pull when I say it that way, but it is exactly. It's what I've been working on my entire life. And it brings it all together. Yeah. Me and an entire community, but but it, it uh, I'm of an age, one reason I decided to do it is I said, okay, dude, if you're going to do it, you have to do it now because last I heard people go out horizontal. So time's up and it was quite a lift. I've been working on it for 11 years. It took five years of intense work to write it. Hmm. Well, but many more than five years of, of thinking about it. Yeah, i say like 40 years to produce it, 11 years to think about it, and five years of intense work to write it. So uh, <sighs> I got a lot bound up in it, but I hope people find something of use to it. I think, you know, you know and I hope, hope, hope it helps liberate their lives. So the idea of liberating your lives, liberating your mind, was that a concept when you started out in this field studying this that you were thinking of? Was was that idea of liberation in your mind or did you have a more in, modest goal? Well, no, in a way it was because, you know, I came into psychology in part out of things like Maslow and peak experiences and really, <sighs> uh, yeah, I know you're, <laughs> yeah. you're in fact, you're working on a book, are you not? Or something. Oh, I haven't Maybe announced it yet. Oh, <laughs> but, you know, no. Because it always seemed to me that psychology was about the best of us, you know, about mm -hmm. the peak, about, about the kind of people that we can be and the kind of world we can create. Yeah. And in clinical psychology, it's been so much about almost how to fix hidden diseases, you know, which is a crazy kind of, I think, biomedicalizing of human suffering. I get that human suffering is important. Mm -hmm. I really get that. But human prosperity is important, too. Mm -hmm. And in fact, part of the suffering is that people don't know how to take where they are and move towards what they really want. Mm -hmm. And that's what's actually in the book. What's in the book is, I think we've kind of, well, the most arrogant way to say it is kind of cracked the code mm -hmm. of what the 20% is that does the 80% that can take what's inside our suffering and take the energy inside it that's positive because it isn't all negative. Where you end up is negative. The energy inside is not negative. What people want is not negative. Even if it feels negative, it could still be positive. Yeah. yeah. Because what's inside it, it reflects some sort of deep need or yearning or motivation. Hmm. Being mishandled, dramatically so. But when you dig down to that, then there's lessons to be learned inside your pain and suffering that you can put towards the creation of prosperity. And hmm. that's that metaphor of pivot. You know, you like, hmm. like you take, now, like if you're dancing with somebody, you don't want somebody standing still. You want somebody moving, right? Because yeah. then you can you can swing them around, right? Mm -hmm. In the same way, if I'm in there with a client or something and they're suffering, I know there's motivation there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's going in the wrong direction. But I'd rather have that than having to stand it still. And can I can I sort of whoosh, swing that around in a positive direction? And when you do that, you get to uh, fulfill what has been my lifelong dream, really, which is how do we promote human prosperity and alleviate suffering. How do we put those two things together? Yeah, and that's been very prevalent in your life lately, as well as your collaborations with David Sloan Wilson, because we had you both on the podcast. You might be the, the one the most on the podcast of all time. Wow. Now that I think of it, <laughs> you've been on the podcast a bunch, and with, include, include all your, with other people. Yeah, so this idea of pro-sociality. Again, was this your original intention when you first started studying this? What was the goal? It was. I mean, even as a high school like grad student. Oh, even a high even school. Even as a high school wow. student because Maslow I'm reading in high school. Wow. But then as a college student, I'm saying, okay, but yeah, but I, wanna, I want science. Because I originally went to psychology because, you know, I wanted a science that could touch 
the kinds of things you touch with things like art and literature and music. You know, I was editor of the literary magazine in college, things like that, you know. And it seemed to me, psychology, you could do that, which was mostly just kind of a mindy guess, but it turns out to be right, <laughs> that you can put psychology into human prosperity and, and, and the kinds of things that novelists write about or the musicians create music about and so forth. In the college days, of course, this is the 60s and 70s, and I'm a, you know, a hippy-dippy guy with hair down to here. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, can you give us a picture for uh, oh, to put on the show I will notes? give you a picture. <laughs> that, I mean, I was an absolute freak. But part of that, I, you know, that I, I was telling the story not too long ago that I hate what people have done who weren't part of it. You know, this was about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah, okay. But really what it was about was a spiritual journey of an entire generation mm. who were trying to figure out a way to take the suffering they saw inside the kind of madmen, kind of, uh, you know, aluminum salesman of the, my dad literally was an aluminum salesman wow. of the 50s and channel that in a different direction. And so I lived on a commune. I, you know, I had dreams of creating, you know, a, a utopian community. What drove me into behaviorism was Walton too. Oh yeah, was a utopian novel that Skinner wrote. Did you like that book? I loved it. I loved it. You know, some people thought it was creepy because it sort of sounded like, you know, who's going to control the controller? Yeah. You know, mind control. I didn't view it that way at all. I viewed it as like, not that this was the answer, but this was the question. Hmm. And that what we wanted was a psychology that was so well dialed in and worked out scientifically that you could go from rats to Walden too. You could go from really tight basic principles all the way up to how do you create relationships that work? How do you raise your kids in ways that make a difference? How do we create a world that's kinder and softer and gentler and you know more respectful of diversity and all the things that we want to do? Yeah. So yes, that's actually been the journey I've been on from the beginning. But I became a psychotherapy researcher almost by accident, really. And I've discovered inside that that you can actually find the processes that are really powerful to help people walk that journey. And that's what's, that's what's in this book, is how to do both. Was that your pivot move? Yeah. <laughs> Was that the pivot sign? That's the pivot move. You take these things that are squeezing you down, you find the energy that's inside them, and you... Yeah, I love it. So you kind of fell in love with behavioralism, yeah. and then cognitive behavioral therapy came out, yeah. and and you saw some limitations in it. I personally, I love cognitive behavioral therapy, sure. and there's this new breed of it, you know, called mindful sure. CBT, which I love even more, uh, and kind of just, that might be actually more in line with uh, yeah, ACT, and how you kind is. of just sit with these cognitive distortions, yeah, yeah. you know, don't try to feel so much pressure to change them like right away, you yeah. know, kind of sit with them. What were some limitations that you saw in that approach? And, and then, you know, how's the ACT approach different? Well, two things. One is that I wanted a basic theory of cognition that was as dialed in as the basic behavioral principles that we started behavior therapy with. Hmm. But we didn't have the running start that we had. I mean, people in the animal learning labs have been working for decades before we tried to apply these things. And they work really well as far as they go, but they only go so far. And so while I'm a Skinnerian in the sense of trying to get these high precision, high scope principles. I always thought, and he did too, that you had to get over this mountain of language and cognition, what you and I are doing right now. Mm. 
And Skinner, 38, said, I'm not sure this will do it. In 57, he writes the book Verbal Behavior, and he says, yes, I've saw it. In 1957? Yeah, not at age 57. But, okay. uh, yeah, exactly. 1957, he says, yes, I finally figured it out. But no, what's in there will take you to a mental age of three. And so <sighs> we think in the community that is supporting the work of ACT and the the more basic work on relational frame theory, RFT, that you mentioned in, in your uh, introduction, we think we've figured out a way to take the behavioral tradition and really take cognition seriously. Mm. So underneath the ACT work is an entire group of very basic folks with hundreds and hundreds of studies on how language works, how you actually can acquire it. You can use it to take kids who don't speak and get them to speak or don't have a sense of self develop that. But you can also use those exact same principles to say, well, how do you rein in the problem-solving mind when it overwhelms mm. us, when the dictator within gets us completely knocked off? The dictator within? Yeah, that's a language, the thing yeah. that I put yeah, in, I the, know, I know. in the book. is just a way of speaking about what, after all, you understood when you were four years old, you know, yeah. like goofy with horns and goofy with a halo. Yeah, yeah. You understand yeah. that when you're four freaking years yeah. old. Which, which means, side is the dictator? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, the, the, <laughs> the argument is, the, is oh, I both, see. Oh, are, I see. both I see. other voices yeah, okay. of the dictator. No, yes, no. But, yeah, so I, so one thing with CBT is because we had to break out of just animal learning principles into what arguably we're the only species that do symbolic mm -hmm. relational learning, what you and I are doing right now. We're doing symbolic relational learning right yeah, now? Yeah, we are. We're, we're Who taking, knew? <laughs> yeah, we're taking it. Exactly. We're doing something that you started doing when you were 12 months old. Mm -hmm. Of being able to derive a two-way two-way street between a, a symbol and its referent, mm. and building that out into a whole network of relations—not just same, but different, opposite, better—you mm -hmm. know, if then, all those things, mm. you know, time, place, etc. And because of that ability, you can relate anything to anything else in any possible way. Mm. You know, you can. You name two things, name a relationship, you'll find, mm. you'll find it. And either everything is related to everything else in all possible ways, or this is an illusion of mind. And it, we have such a flexible repertoire, but it challenges us. And what is in the, the ACT work, it's not in CBT, is the 15 years of development. You know, I, I did first ACT trials in the early 80s, mm. didn't write the book until almost the turn of the century. And Get out of your mind book? No, oh. the first act book, oh, 1999. What was it called? Called Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. Oh, well, that's aptly named. But, it, you know, it was, yeah. but that dark time wasn't that we weren't working. We were working out the basic theory of language on cognition, the principles, the measures, and the components. So that's one thing. We've done our homework, and we have a basic theory that is active, real, and apt for what we want to do. And then the other one was that it isn't, the content of thought, it's your relationship to thought, determines how it works. Hmm. And part of that comes out of the theory of cognition. And so when we had the theory, we understood that, oh, no, if you get in there and you try to change a thought, for example, mm -hmm. you now are elaborating the network that allows you to think that thought. And you're teetering right on the edge of doing things that could even be iatrogenic, that could be harmful. Mm. And you've seen it. You know, CBT gone bad turns into, the, oh, I'm thinking that again. Oh, my God. You start being hard on yourself. Yeah, being hard on yeah, yourself because yeah. you're not being rational. Yeah. Or you're not oh, being yeah. cognitive errors. That's a good or, point. <laughs> so those two things are the things that really distinguish the act. I'm not just act now. I'm going to start a new therapy. Temporary one.
self-compassionate, mindful CBT <laughs> act. Well, <laughs> I'm not just joking. Because well, everybody I, creates brands these days. I'm just I joking. I know, yeah. and I don't like the brand stuff. I know. You know I'm actually trying to reduce that. You know I'm joking. Way. No, yeah. no, I do yeah. know. But I saw a meta-analysis recently that pitted CB, traditional CBT versus contemporary CBT. <laughs> I kind of like that. I noticed that you used the phrase traditional CBT in yeah, one of your materials. Because I'm yeah. part of the CBT tradition. Yeah. I've been president of the CBT We got to give props to, to yeah, Aaron exactly. Beck. I, w- I gave him an award when yeah. I was president. I was yeah. so proud to do it. Yeah. And I try to mention, you know, yeah. we're standing on the shoulder of giants and try to mention yeah. his name specifically, but also Albert Ellis is on the yeah. back of the RFT book and all of the early, you know, Mahoney and such of these people that I, that I knew and respect, respected. I mean, I sent my first student to Tim Beck to be trained. Wow. As a, the, my first PhD student to be trained at his center uh, as an intern. Aaron Beck have had and I have had discussions about you oh, yeah. <laughs> over lunch, yes. <laughs> well, he's always been kind to me. I hope he said something nice because uh, he did. You know, he's such a sweet man of 98 yeah. years he's old. He's still going. He's still going. He's still going, yeah. So, yes, I'm proud to say that ACT is part of the CBT tradition writ large. Cool. But a scientific tradition moves, and I think, you know, the so-called third wave shook things, and people saw it maybe it was really fundamentally a challenge that might burn down the house. It's turned out not to be. It's been, yeah, it was a challenge, but as on the other side of it, we've learned a lot, and the whole community has moved. And so I don't think CBT is traditional CBT anymore. So traditional CBT... With that differs, the thing that you did criticize was yeah. the aspect of it that we can be too hard on ourselves. Was that was that the point that we can that it's not all about changing the thoughts, but kind of living with the thoughts? I don't you know. Am two, I sticking words well, no, there? The two th- things: one, I want a basic theory of cognition that's as basic and fundamental and in the basic lab as uh, stimulus control and reinforcement. That's mm. one. Number and number two is the relationship to thought is so critical that be careful about the form of the thought. You take something like reappraisal, central to traditional CBT, yes? But it turns out that reappraisal, when it works, is mediated by cognitive flexibility and diffusion. In other words, people spontaneously, when you start doing thought records, you get a little little de-distancing. That was Beck's term for it, right? Yeah, yeah. But that was to set up you know, challenging, disputing, and changing. What if it's actually the really the most important part of it? Mm. And that what it sets up is, well, in addition to, th- no, A, notice your thinking. B, in addition to thinking this, I could think this. Mm. C, this one's more useful than that one. Not necessarily in a real mindy figure it out way, but just in a, you know, why not do what works way. Yeah. Well, that's kind of in the CBT all of that's in traditional CBT, mm-hmm. but it gets overwhelmed with what's more logical, but maybe not really psychological, mm. which is, you know, let's correct the cognitive errors. I think if you back up and notice the thought and look at workability, mm. the thoughts that have cognitive errors in them are not very workable. Mm. And so it's a softer, safer, gentler, and I think more theoretically uh, grounded approach and it's worked its way into CBT through mindfulness, acceptance, values work, you know, uh, compassion work, all those things have to do with your relationship to thought, not just the form of the thought. Beautiful, beautiful. But let's role play a second. Like, okay, okay, pretend I'm like one of your patients. Uh, I'm trying to understand like how you would help someone with someone like 
doc i'm such a loser i just keep like thinking every day of my i just i'm ruminating over and over about how i'm worthless and it's really like holding me back from like approaching new friends and potential romantic partners so it's having a cost yeah so could i just ask this though let's just take that core of it i'm a loser yeah could you just show me with your hand when that shows up? How close is it? Is is it up here, like I'm a loser, or is it out there, like I'm a loser? Like, oh no, it's very close it's to way me. Close. It's yeah, very close it, to me, exactly. And what does your experience tell you in in terms of the times when it's like this? Are there any other times when it's a little more out there, or are there times, or is it always like this, hundred percent? No, it's not always like that. When I'm actually connected with someone, it's I almost forget that I'm a loser. Okay. Awesome. 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 <laughs> yeah. So sometimes when you focus on what you really care about. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's right. So maybe that's one thing that we can put into our work a little yes. bit about how to get more central what we really care about. Yes. But maybe other things we can do because here's one problem. Can you remember the first time you ever had that thought, I'm a loser? I've had it uh, since I popped out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I can remember I've had that thought. Yeah, so if I said how tall you were, you'd have to be really small. Yeah. You're still thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like even down this small? Yeah, yeah. That's like three. Because they put me in special ed when I was a kid. Awesome. So I, they told me I was a loser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even want to want to want to know I was a loser. Yeah, you, <laughs> but they they told me you came by it honestly. Yeah, somebody actually said it to you. Yeah. Well, that voice, well, that memory. Let me just ask you this: the voice of the people who told you you are a loser. Yeah. And you remember how that penetrated you? Oh yeah. Frightened you? How much it hurt? Yeah. yeah. I'd cry in the bathroom. Yeah, of course. Until I was bullied. And now here's my question: Will that ever go away? Well, I've been I've been trying to get it yes, to go you away. Have. I've been doing the CBT. Yeah, and as you've been trying to make it go away, my <laughs> the question, mindful CBT. Let's just watch yeah. as you've been trying to make it go away. Yeah, has it got more central? Well, you know, I've been able to replace the thought with other thoughts. Okay, so um, you know, I can uh, give me be an more example. mindful of when I'm thinking. Give me an that example thought. of a replacement. Well, a replace, the replacement is not the opposite end of the thing. Okay. I'm not trying to be a narcissist, you know. Okay. I think a lot of people, you know, compensate yeah. in that way. I'm a loser. They say, no, I'm the greatest, you know, yeah. greatness. But, you know, sometimes if I feel my catch myself starting to spiral downwards, I'll be like, you know, I'm just who I am. And okay. I'm just going to just be my own quirky self. Okay. And it usually helps me connect better with people. Awesome. Okay, so sometimes you're able... You have a range of thoughts, and sometimes yeah. I'm a loser, and sometimes I'll just be who I am. Yeah. 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 If you were trying to do, I'll just be who I am, to make it go away, yeah. sometimes I bet you you've done that. Oh, yeah. Okay. What happens? Well, if I'm I, feeling particularly like a loser, then I try to be like who I am. I'm like, well, who I am is a loser. So that doesn't really help. And then so I get into a quagmire. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so let's just learn from the six minutes. Yeah. So one thing you've learned is when you're able to focus on what really brings meaning and purpose to your life, yeah. like being with other people, Yeah. you know, this thing sort of goes from here to here. Yeah. It's not like it's erased. It's not like it's eliminated. Right. It just kind of... Here to here. That's so interesting. Yeah. And when it's you here, distance. You, can see, you, you, know, you can see it if you wanted to, but you have, you have more interesting things to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But if you... And other mm. things are there. It isn't just I'm a loser. It's also I'm who I am. Yeah. Yeah. But if you start really trying to get it to erase this, I'm who I am, I'm not a loser. <sighs> when you're doing that, doesn't yeah. it tend to become more dominant? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's learn from that too. Okay. And maybe, I don't know how to erase it. Yeah. Your nervous system doesn't have a delete button. It doesn't. When you're 
my age. I'm 71. Yeah. No, you're not. Yes, I Stop am. it. I'm 71. <laughs> you do look great. And well, thank you. Yeah. But when you think about what happened to when you're I'm little 70. in the... <laughs> <laughs> no you're not you liar i'm 70 i just shaved so i look a little bit younger <laughs> you know yeah. at my age yeah. you'll be able to remember that special ed kid who had was told you're a loser yeah so it's not going to be deleted yeah could we do something else with it then could we work on the things that don't erase it but that put it here so that it's part of your experience mm. but it doesn't dominate your experience does that apply to um all urges like people trying to quit vaping or uh food yeah. you know eating fatty foods like if i have the urge to eat fatty food i like uh, you know i'm trying to get on a sure, massive sure. diet right now i want yeah. to have a one and a half pack you know like if i to get a one and a half pack like what can i do yeah yeah well actually same similar of, principle yes and some of these methods have been applied to diet and exercise and high performance even olympic athletes it's okay it goes all the way up to that okay but let me ask you about your experience not just what the research shows i bet you when you're dealing because you've done dieting and exercise before this yeah. is not the very first time oh yes i absolutely have okay and i've been in great shape before in my life believe it or sure. not yeah i don't and a long time ago as <laughs> <laughs> As you have yeah. tried to like push yeah. thoughts of food away, let's yeah. say, do you, is it your experience? If there's something over there in the refrigerator, yeah, that's really good, yeah, that you really like, yeah, that you really it calls want. me, yeah, it feels like a calling in life. If you're trying to push that away, yeah, how close are you to eating the freaking thing in the refrigerator? I get closer to it. You're closer. Yeah, yeah. It's the same. It's like thing. the 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 the, yellow, the elephant, the uh, pink elephant. Don't it's think of a pink. Elephant. Don't think of a pink elephant. Exactly. You know. So could we do the Are you same of one thing right with urges? You're thinking of a pink elephant right now, aren't you? <laughs> I'm respectfully declining my <laughs> oh, okay. mind's invitation. <laughs> okay. You can use the uh, I don't care. <laughs> you know, there's a reason Mark Manson yeah. called it the subtle yeah. art of not giving up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a space you can go in where maybe. You're not giving any unneeded attention mm. to I'm a loser or donuts or yeah. whatever the thing is. Mm. So you're saying the, the alternative is to like just to what to just like let it let the urge sit with the urge kind of meditate on it. It's sort of like that. It's very subtle. If you turn it into a rule, it doesn't work. Okay. Because we, what we have to do is rein in the part of your mind that creates these rules and solves problems. Because mm. this thing I'm asking you to do is something more like what you know how to do. If you were to see a sunset tonight that's spectacular, mm. you'd know to say, wow. You wouldn't say like, wow, but too much pink God. Yeah. You wouldn't. Too much pink what? God. Too much pink God? Oh, pink God, com you comma God, pink. comma yeah. God. Okay, God, that <laughs> not a pink off. God. <laughs> okay. Pink. It, it needs a little more, more blue in there. That cloud is misshapen. You You're right. You're right. You just go out. Carl period. Rogers has a quote about that. Like when I look at the sun, I don't say, "Let me soften it up a bit." And yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But when you yeah. when you bring this critical problem solving, evaluative, judgmental mode, yeah. which is also great when you're doing your taxes or fixing your car. Yeah. It's terrible with peace of mind or carrying your history, especially your painful part yeah. of your history, or relating to your urges, including food urges yeah. and so forth. Could we bring this kind of wow mode to mind? Yeah. When that's helpful. So face with curiosity. Yeah. And I wonder. Said, I, love, I thought I love and wonder. Yeah, yeah, awe. Wow, I'm all, all struck that I want to eat that uh, pizza. Yeah. 
How curious. Look at that. That thought came up. <laughs> okay. Now, what's of importance right here in front of me right now? Oh, that's so good. Maybe not what's in the refrigerator. Maybe it's a podcast. Can one value pizza? Can that be their value system? Well, I think values are chosen qualities of being and doing. So okay. I, I look for adverbs that have to do with your behavior. Okay. But you could... Could that you, be my highest you purpose could in value life? You creating delicious food. You could <laughs> creatively making, but probably not valuing pizza. Okay. If somebody tells me they value money, pizza, fame, etc., I go, dude, those are goals. They're outcomes. Yeah. yeah. You could value what you could do with it. Mm. Like with with that money, owl, with that fame, owl, mm. and then I, I want an adverb in there. What are you going to do with it? you know, lovingly, genuinely, creatively, compassionately, probably has a lee on it or something like it. It's yeah. an adjective or an adverb, and it's yeah. a quality of your action. It's not a quality of the outcomes of your actions. That's great. That was also my sneaky way of having you define a value. You know, uh -huh. how, like, how you define values. I'm trying to think of all sorts of clever ways of getting out of you questions I want to ask, but in an indirect way. Well, thanks for doing that because I, I can follow it, fall into my rants and you're avoiding the rants by doing this, which is a good idea because then I just plug in and go mindless and do a rant. Your rants are great. You're, they're, they're epic. Your rants are epic. This is great. So I want to step back a second to have you define the phrase that you use a lot. You love the phrase psychological flexibility. Yeah. Did you coin that phrase? I think. Is that possible? I think so. I think so. That's amazing. Although I found it kind of out there in the literature. Occasionally people have said it. But not defined in precisely. Not defined though. the way we mean it. And actually a colleague of mine, Frank Bond, you know, really pushed it. And it's in my lab, you know, uh, Kelly, Liz Gifford, others. Hmm. So I've been kind of part of a community. I'm helped by my colleagues. But. The experiential avoidance then leading to psychological flexibility that was sort of central to the act work, yeah. Amazing. So can you define it? Yeah, How I do think you I it? can. Well, I, I can do it with words. Quick, the three words I would use. Can you use? do it like charades? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like. Yeah. I'll try to guess like the definition. No. Oh, in fact, I'm going to do it with charades. I'm Are you serious? Do it with charades. I am. Are we going to do this? Yes. Yeah. All right, we're going to okay. do a charade. So psychological you, flexibility incorporates well, three. Normally you would guess with charades. Yeah. Oh. I will act them out and you don't oh. have to guess oh. until I do all three and then we can unpack it. Okay, okay. okay. So. Psychological flexibility is wonder, focus, and forward motion. Yeah, it's very, very good. Very good. Uh, yay! yay! <laughs> High five. <laughs> yeah, this, the, in fact, I, I wonder, I, I, you know, normally I say open, but wonder is even yeah. better. Yeah. It's that kind Openness, of I open see. Yeah. with an attitude of uh, yeah. curiosity. Yeah. And it is a wonder. Maybe it's we like should enter awe. into a charades tournament together. Maybe that's our, maybe that's our highest value. That'd be awesome. We didn't even know it. We should do psycho charades. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the, and then focus. Yeah which means conscious and it means focus on something that's yeah. present. You yeah. can't focus on something that's not present. Yeah. It's not possible. No, it's not. Okay. So, and then the third is this active engagement, you know, so. Wait, can I push back a second? Open, aware, and active. What about imagination? I can focus on things that aren't present to yeah, my senses. Yeah, exactly. But what's present is your creative thought about the future. Oh, so the thought is the what's the present. The thought is present. But, you know, what we tend to do when we're not like this, yeah. when we focus on a thought, yeah. is we go, yeah. We disappear into it. We disappear. Kind of, you know, literally, you watch somebody's eyes when they go into imagination and they get, and they enter into it, their eyes go up. You know, the NLP people are quite right. Like this? 
<laughs> a little bit like that. Depends, you know, and you go look at tend to tend to look to the right, depending instead of there's stories on that. I don't know if that's science. I on think that. I'm more but like you definitely look up. <sighs> I tend to yeah. have a lot of romantic fantasies. No, <laughs> sorry, that's, that's, that's inappropriate. Your TTMI. I'm more like ah, yeah, okay. But yeah, but you made a good point because learning how to focus on symbolic events, yeah, or things having to do with memories or future plans. How to do that without entanglement requires this kind of ability to be applied even to things that tend to kind of hook and pull you into, mm. you know, like solving a problem. Like a trap. There is a trap. It's yeah. exactly a trap. It's almost like an anxiety trap. It is an anxiety <laughs> trap. It's awesome. I know. It's your and, phrase. Well, and, you know, the, and that metaphor of a pivot is you take the that kind of narrowing trap okay. of a repertoire narrowing down okay. but that contains one thing in it that's really important, which okay. is what is the underlying yearning? What do you really want? Love that, and then put that out in the process that can go from instead of narrowed from yeah. broad to narrow, or 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 the, the kind of smaller sooner. Let's go to the larger later. Let's go yeah. to the expanding over time. Can we zoom in on that? Knowing what I really want, it can be very confusing sometimes. I don't know about you, but sometimes I want two things that feel diametrically opposed to each other. What the heck do? How do I make it? What well, how does the metacognition make a choice? Yeah. What you want, want means missing. Vaunt is an old Norse word. And, and values aren't what you're missing. Okay. Values are what would you choose to have present. Okay. At the point at which, for example, you really connect with, you know, I want to be about behaving in a loving way. Yeah. That in itself is a loving thing to do. Yes. Think about your values choices. At the point at which you make them, you're already connected to them. You're absolutely right. So you're not missing anything. You don't want anything. Most of my it. conscious values do tend to be like moral things, very yeah. loving, et cetera, et cetera. Then sometimes I have uh, moods of selfishness. Yeah. You know, like I would love to not respond to those 500 emails in my inbox right now right. asking me to read their dissertation and comment on a 500 page thing. But then I, my values say, oh, but I really do want to help them. But I don't feel like I want to sometimes. Exactly. Is that okay to say? It is okay. Does that make me human or a horrible person? <laughs> <laughs> In your case, no, <laughs> it makes you human. But, and, just fast. But one of the things that I do want to focus when you have these multiple values that seemingly conflict, almost always it's not a values conflict. What it is is opening up to the pain of finitude. Hmm. You are a finite being. No, stop so, it. Yes, you are. So How you're you not going to, you know, like if you have 500, okay, maybe you can answer 500. Suppose yeah. you had 5,000. Yeah. 50,000. Yeah. 500,000. At some point, you know, God herself can't do it. Yeah. So that's painful. There's people suffering who need things from you, and you might not be able to be there for them. Mm. Doesn't that hurt? It does hurt. And maybe you can do it in some other way. You can create a community where people be there for them or something like that. You can support processes. Even, and it's just painful. And so, you know, in imagination, there are entities that don't have that. Usually God has all of our best chosen qualities. You believe in God? And, you know, the guy with the beard, no. Okay. But some form of it. Some larger greater sense of, yes. Being. Or, or energy or entity. I don't know. Okay. I really am kind of an I don't know. And it's interesting that we yearn for mm. the infinite. Yeah. Because yeah. I think consciousness connects us to the infinite. Mm. Because 
consciousness connects us to others at other mm. times and other places. Right. There isn't any place in the universe that you can't put in imagination your consciousness. Yeah, so we are the kind of beings that live on that cusp of yes, we're finite. We can't be there and for everyone. We can't do everything, and that's painful. And yet we're connected to something that feels limitless and having no edges. And it kind of almost mocks us a little bit. It so, does, that, especially yeah. when you're on LSD. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an interesting thing. I know. The LSD thing, I mean, you know, psychedelic therapy is yeah. coming. It's coming. And ACT is often used. I'm not joking. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. I just finished a paper psychedelic on Psychedelic uh, ACT. <laughs> that's a well, new, a new fact, one. That, that, that is, yeah. People okay. are doing it. In fact, yeah. here in New York, the okay. NYU uh, team not surprised. is using ACT and their psychedelic research. Yeah. The yeah. Toronto team is using ACT. Yeah. So... We'll see, and you can see why, because the, these sure. processes that, you know, when psychedelics work well at psychedelic therapy, almost always they include experiences of kind of oceanic awareness, you mm. know, kind of connection across time, place, person, sense of timelessness, et yes. cetera. And often it changes people's values, or not really changes their values. It reconnects them. Reconnects them to their deepest values? To their deepest values. Hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. So I and you know, as a child of the '60s, yeah, I was telling a story not too long ago. Uh, I was at a conference and I had to get, be a discussant on a I had to. I agreed to. I, I wanted to on a, a session on psychedelic therapy, and I stood up and these magnificent papers had been presented, and I began to talk and I started just crying because you're looking at an old hippie yeah. who, you know this. We didn't do this as sex, drugs, and rock and roll. We did it as a spiritual journey, mm -hmm. and it became something else. But that's not where it started, and it's kind of cool to see people coming back to it. And for me, what's one of the things important to me about ACT, and maybe one of the things that maybe expands the evidence-based therapy tradition a little bit, is that we do get to care about things as basic as who are we, spirituality, values, I mean, the deepest, the most complex, the Maslowian kind of, yeah. you know, go for it yeah. kind of psychology can be brought over into this very careful, kind of highly polished, high precision, careful kind of psychology. That'd be kind of cool. And mm, it's uh, so cool. You know, I'm thinking right now of uh, a guy, Paul Emmelkamp, who's a well-known researcher in the Netherlands, and he looked at me once and said about ACT, he said, Hayes, this is just damn hippie stuff. The hippies grew up. Really? I said, I said yeah, that's right. And the crazies are driving the bus. Deal with it. <laughs> Deal with it. Yeah. Well, he said it with a smile. He wasn't meaning to hurt me. He was just saying that he's right. You yeah. know, that generation, and it's not just that generation, the kids too. I mean, the kids look at this materialism and what's going on in the modern world and they say, I want to do something that's meaningful. Yeah. yeah. And God, you know, that's wonderful, isn't it? It is so wonderful. I, the notion of reconnecting with your highest values. Yeah. Whenever I do that, my all my priorities do change in that moment. Yeah. It's a priority changer. You know, yeah. it's like, like your whole like goal hierarchy reconfigures yeah. in an, almost in a snap. Same with inspiration when I'm inspired, yeah. more morally elevated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that kind of pivot moment. Is that a pivot? Yeah. yeah. Because you, you're taking energy that's taken in one direction. Yeah. You dug down what that energy was and you swept it in another direction. That makes so you much know, sense. You know, like, I really care about these deep values, you know, I really, <clears throat> and over here, I get to 
bring these out into the world in a way that opens up and builds yeah. out. Over here, the journey I'm on, part of what I don't like about this journey is I don't get to do that. Well, then let's change the direction. And that's the pivot metaphor of, uh, you know, where people are trying to, whatever they're doing in this case, you know, like the, on the values and committed action piece, you know, people have this idea that you're going to get applause, you're going to get the money, you're going to get all this kind of stuff. And by the way, it's going to happen because you sprung forth from the head of Zeus. No, it's not. It's not going to. A, it's not about those things anyway. It's about your deepest values. B, one step at a time because you're going to slip and fall and slip and fall and slip and fall and slip and fall. The issue is, do you get up again and step forward? Do you do what you knew to do when you were learning how to walk or when you were learning how to open a doorknob or when you know, the least little thing you did as a yeah. child? You knew when you slip and fall, you stand up again. Nobody had to come around to you and say, by the way, you'll never learn how to walk unless you stand back up again. You know, Maslow. When we get our age, we're going like, eh, you know, I tried, didn't work. Dude, what are well, you doing? So you're not perfect. So yeah. you're still struggling with things that you struggled with like Big time. like for 70 years? Talk to my wife. <laughs> and what I, what, I, what I always say to my wife, though, is you should have known me earlier, dear. That was far worse. <laughs> was far I love worse. that. I love that. I, that that's that's great. Am. You know, Maslow did believe that human development or human growth was a two-step forward, one-step back, constant, contiguous dynamic. Yeah. He really wrote about that. He was really a developmental psychologist, yeah, yeah. although people misrepresent him so much. Yeah. yeah. Oh, beautiful. You were hinting at some of these aspects of characteristics of pivoting. You said diffusing earlier. I don't know if people are going to know exactly what you mean. Do you mind going through the six yeah, the quickly? Six. I yeah. can do the six yeah. quickly. Let me let me do it first in a way that I don't normally, which is what Great. we really yearn for. Charades? Not charades. That's not charades. <laughs> if you look at things like self-determination theory, some of the best science on the planet about human motivation, they'll click out three big things that you care about. Belonging, chosen meaning or autonomy, and competence. Okay, you want to be part of the group. You want to be connected to others. That's the kind of monkey we are. You want to be able to sort of have something be of importance by your choice, not just because you're complying and have to do it, but it's sort of intrinsic motivation. Little babies, not that way. Not me. No, I want to do it. I mean, you don't have to be very old. You sounded like Cartman from <laughs> South Park. And then competence. I mean, you just look at a little baby. Will work for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours just to put something in their mouth. Yeah. And good thing, we'd never learn how to do these complex things yeah. that we just do now yeah. because yeah. we've spent so much time. So those are the big three. Yeah. We've added three more. Okay. Feeling. Okay. You know, little kids too come into the world. They want to taste, lick, smell. When that's built out, it isn't just sensation. It's also emotion. Is there any emotion that you don't pay good money to produce? Mm. You buy books. You buy music. You go to films. You look at art. Every single emotion, including the ones you say you don't like. Hmm. Look at it and you see it. Okay, okay, so we yearn to feel. Okay. Understanding or coherence. We want things to somehow fit together and make sense. We don't want to live inside Kafka. Nobody likes living inside Kafka. No, not no, even no. Kafka. No, we, we, we want to... And then we want to know kind of where we are. We want to be oriented. If I just suddenly picked you up, plopped you down in a grocery store somewhere, and you'd go under... How did I get here? And how do I get back to the podcast? You know, you would, you'd no, want to be No, I'd, I'd go to the pizza aisle. And the, 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 <laughs> if you're now, this is the zen <laughs> in you. If, in the, if, seriously, seriously, if you have this, yeah. the skills, you might be able, when you're plopped down there, yeah. 
to look around and see what what's on sale or what's good to eat. But or, then I'll think about my chosen values, which is being on the podcast, and then yeah. I'll return to that. Yeah. So those are so we added three: mm-hmm. a feeling orientation and understanding or coherence, and they come out of now. When we mishandle that, what do we do? With belonging, we tell a, a story about how special we are. We climb into a clown suit of specialness mm. so, that, so that we can belong. You need me or I need you. I'm so helpless, helpless, help me. Right? Remember, that's an inflexibility process. With regard to meaning, I grab at things like money, fame, things like that. Maybe that's meaningful. I love that stuff. Well, it's I'm cool joking, to have I'm it joking, when you have it, but, but if you try to actually play that out, you yeah. you you know, know the data right. on that are pretty right. damn clear. It, it empties. I'm just out being cheeky. Yeah. yeah, and then competence. We don't want to do it trial and error. We don't want to do it with process. We want to. We want to. Have you ever tried to you know, train a psychotherapist and say, "Here, I'd like you to bring in the tapes." They don't want to bring in the tapes, and they bring in the best ones. Mm-hmm. And then, or if they bring in the ones bad, they take it to the part of the, the tape that isn't the worst. <laughs> You know, in other words, the way I'll learn is I'll just show you that I don't need to learn. <laughs> Those are inflexibility. With regard to feeling, I know how I'll solve the problem of feeling. I'll just feel good things. Mm. I won't feel any bad things. That never bad works. Good. Doesn't work. It doesn't come packaged that way, number one. Too many so-called bad feelings are precious. Yeah. Getting a little an- anxious before your podcast, important. Yeah. Crying when your mom dies important mm. i mean all those emotions mm. getting angry when somebody's hurting somebody that you care about important yes all of those emotions have a place yeah? yes understanding instead of trying to just you know figure it out figure it out figure it out figure it out that puts it like here can we notice it and learn from it and do a little bit of wow even with our thoughts and allow us to take the things that are useful so instead of just trying to hang on to only the good thoughts, not the bad thoughts, constantly trying to rewrite those sentences and now focusing only on the bad ones because no matter how hard you work, they don't erase, they don't go away. They're still mm-hmm. in our history. So you, in, in terms of orientation, rumination and worry. I'll be oriented when I know why. Why? Have you ever had a client come in and say, all I want to know is why? Mm. My heart sinks when I hear that kind mm. of like, Oh, that is not going to be a fun, <laughs> you know, mm. we're going to have to deal with that. Sometimes that's a religious sort of undertone as well, you know. It can Why be, would God uh, create yeah. so much suffering in the world? And, and it can be put in a positive direction, sure. but, it, but we're going to have to shift that question a little bit. Yeah, in order pivot. To really make pro- we're going to have to pivot. We're going to yeah. have to find what's inside the why. You forgot your own uh, <laughs> key yes, term. Yes, <laughs> I did. Well, so yeah. each of those six now yeah. okay. of... The rigidity ones, okay. the conceptualized self, okay. experiential avoidance, fusion with thoughts, okay. rigid attention, okay. absence of chosen uh, values, and uh, failure to follow through in a way that builds uh, patterns of uh, uh, values-based habits. That's beautiful. If I can take those energy that's inside those six bad yeah. things and flip them around, yeah. And I can find a sense of self that is more transcendent, that belongs yeah. inherently. Yeah. I can find the capacity to feel by being more open to feelings. And instead of just feeling good, I can do a good job of feeling. I can find a kind of understanding that isn't this mindy, figure it out and get them all nice in a little row, but instead kind of back up and take what's useful and, and leave the rest. That's a kind of understanding. This is helpful. This one's not. Thank you, mind, very much for trying to help me. I've heard that before. That thought is actually not very helpful. Thank you. But I think I'll do doing this, where you just 
you know, pick things away, pick fruit at the fruit stand. You know, yeah. if it's not helpful, just leave it there. You don't have to like get rid of it. You still spend a lot of time eating it, you know. With yeah. regard to orientation, can I teach flexible attention to the now? I love that. With regard to meaning, can I teach people how to have meaning by choice? Meaning by values. Choice. How to connect with their deepest values. And with regard to action, can we build habits of values-based action? Can mm. we commit to larger and larger patterns, which is not a commitment to perfection. It's not a conviction to tomorrow I've learned everything. It's a commi con commitment to a process of slip and fall and slip and fall. And each time you stand up and you step again, always in the service of what you deeply care about. Those six, those are the six pivots and the six uh, yearnings and the, both the inflexibility and flexibility side. And they and, will change your life. And you just gave that They crack the, I mean, they really <laughs> kind of crack in the code, I think. We we think it's arrogant, but not really, because the data are so strong, that we think that it's the 20% that does the 80%. It's amazing. So much of that, it sounds like you're saying is psychological. I mean, what about people who may counter that, people who focus on like systemic like discrimination and all these environmental systemic factors and say like, wow, psychologists really overestimate the extent to which they can change just from within. Yeah. What do you say to that kind of thing? A, I agree with that. And I'm actually trying to build out. So this is the psychological side. I agree there's a social side that extends this. And, and those, there's some additional principles there. And in fact, I have a book that just came out like three days ago. Pro-social? Yeah, pro-social. Yeah. That takes Is that what David Sloan Wilson? Yeah, but David Sloan Wilson takes ACT and combines it with Eleanor Ostrom's Nobel Prize winning design principles for small groups. Awesome. And then puts Congratulations that, ex on that extends that. But it's a direct extension. I mean, you have things like acceptance extend to compassion. Mm. Values extend to shared community values, mm. group values, our values. Mm. Yeah. A committed action extends to cooperative action in the group that mm. can only happen because of a group of you know relating and cooperating and working together mm. and so principles for how to do that we have to add a bit but we if you build it on a strong foundation it empowers it i'll give you an example the very first act study randomized study done in the modern era because we did three at the very beginning after my panic disorder transformation kind of thing mm. And then there was 15, 16, 17 years where we didn't do any outcome studies because we wanted to work out the basic measures, the theory, the kernels of intervention, philosophy of science. And then we finally came back and we started again now doing randomized trials. Sitting here right now, there's about 3,000 studies and 312 randomized trials. Um, when I wrote the first ACT book in 99, there were four randomized trials. Hmm. So there was one coming out every eight days now. Wow. Over the last three years. Yeah. And, you know, inside, you know, all of that, you know, churn of research and the creative things that, that came out of that, is, you know, there's this core connection to these mm. underlying principles that allow us to scale it into all these other areas so that because we did our homework in that, that kind of dark time, we can put those into all these different areas of life and find that they work here and 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 then socially extend them so the the game is is to try to simplify get it down to the simplest amount that you can do and then build out those data and it turns out that 
these flexibility principles are relevant everywhere that a human mind goes. And if you want to scale them socially, you've got to add additional principles to do that. But the, the, back to the randomized trial, I want to tell the story. First one in the modern era, Bond and Bumps, 2000. What he did was he went into a, a bank call center and people are highly stressed doing this terrible work. They have to call people up and say, you haven't been paying your loans, mm. blah, blah, blah. This is awful. You don't want to be doing it. And highly stressful kind of work. So he had two conditions. In one case, what they did was change the context of the bank center, teaching people to take charge of their environment, and by doing that, be less stressed and more mentally healthy. Mm. The other alternative was act. But to make, now normally in that behavioral action part, you'd put in some push to do something like that, right. but we didn't. Okay. But Well, Frank Bond didn't uh, because he wanted to make a clear comparison. But here's what happened. What happened? Stress went down way more in the act condition than it did in the change your environment condition. Nice. Number two, at post change your environment, people were changing their environment more. At follow-up in the act condition, they were changing the environment as much or more. Hmm. Why? The reason why you don't step forward and challenge discrimination hmm. and confront unfairness or injustice is because you're feeling emotionally small. Mm -hmm. You're hooked by these thoughts that I'm not good enough. Mm. You're kind of uh, not fully connected to the values that are involved when you do Who that. am I to Who am I? make a change in the world? Exactly. Because it's almost like a locus of external locus of control. Yeah. Yeah, you're playing, it's, yeah. you know, it's like out of the Nelson Mandela thing, you know, the who am I? Yeah. That initial inaugural address that is linked to somebody else's or quote, I forget who it was that he was borrowing, but, well, who are you not to? Marianne Williamson. Yeah, exactly. Something <laughs> like that. But not, you know, playing small in the world is yeah. not good for the world. So, yeah. Uh, it's who am I not to? Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I like it. So it's a both and. And, and I take the point that, the psychological side isn't the whole of it. Yeah. There's yeah. also the social yeah. side and the cultural side. And uh, let's get the psychology side going and then link it. And that's yeah. what I've been trying to do with the work in pro-social. And, well, and, you know, act people are trying to bring ACT into things like working with perpetrators of violence, the domestic violence. Yeah. For the first time in the history of psychology, wow. reducing actual violence by the per perpetrators. Even like, uh, like psychopaths? Yes. Well, There's hope for, is there any hope for them? You wonder. You wonder yeah. how many are on the, you know, the yeah. real full psychopathic thing. But Do you think Ted Bundy, if he did ACT approach, he'd kill us people? Well, I'll say this. You know, yeah. of course, the right answer is... Uh, probably not, and I don't know, but I would say this. What does it gain us to give up on people? Yeah, yeah, I love that. You know, I would rather make, if you give me Pascal's wager on yeah. this, I would rather guess that there's a human being in there. And, you know, Get Out of Your Mind Into Your Life was written for prisoners. My mm. first job was working in a federal penitentiary. Mm. And what I saw there were human beings. And when I dug down to their values, I didn't find some criminal psychopath. I found Betty Crocker. I mean, people started saying things that were right out of a freaking red book or something. I mean, yeah, like Oprah would have been proud. Yeah. You know, cause, and I get, humanity it, I get it. They did really, you know, rapists and murderers. And I've worked with rapists and murderers and stuff. Mm. But it, you know, that label is not the person. That's what the person did. And by the way, they almost always were abused themselves. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. So what are we doing shaming and blaming? 
Why are we doing that? How dare like, we shame serial killers? Well, really, seriously. Not, <laughs> I know. Not it sounds funny, though. It sounds it, funny, you know, but I agree. Yeah. But, you know, our religious yeah, traditions yeah. would say. Yeah, yeah. You know, even the worst of the worst, even yeah. the lowest of the low. Yeah. It's on the Beatitudes, right? You're supposed to go, like, visit and take care of prisoners. So how did we get into it's really cool to just lock, feed, and count? Yeah. It's really cool. Three strikes and you're out. Yeah. It is not really cool to yeah. give up on people. No. Yeah. My answer to that is no. I don't want to be Pollyanna-ish about it. I, yeah. I get dangerous people. We need to do harsh things. And can we do something else other than just harsh? Yeah. Yeah. Can we provide therapy for them? You know, get yeah. out of your mind. When your life was originally written to be printed on newsprint and given out with a total of expense about 20 cents per book mm. to prisoners. That's so because I did the math and I figured out we can print this on newsprint and yeah. give it out one lesson at a time. If you bring it back and you filled it out, you don't have to turn it in to show I did something with it. We'll give you the next sheet. I love your I love your humanity. Um, the spirit of why not try to make anyone be a better version of themselves. Yeah. Um, it's uh, It takes a lot of openness of heart to do that. And you you have a huge, huge heart. You're a very emotional person. I've seen you in different content. You know, I saw this TEDx talk you yeah. gave about your panic attack and you, you screamed. Sure. You know, it kind of tried to recreate that feeling. It was the most raw thing I've ever seen in my life. And that was hard. Do you feel, I imagine really it was hard. really hard, right? I got in front of my wife right before, yeah. I was like five minutes before I said, Are I you can't terrified do this. almost? I was terrified. Yeah. I said, I cannot do this. And the this wasn't the talk. I'd given many talks before. Yeah. I'd practiced that. You, you can see that talk was pretty dialed in. It was the scream. I mean, it's not like the dress rehearsal you did that scream, right? I never did. <laughs> right. It's not. That's the thing I you want to do. It. Of course, because you want to keep it raw. Yeah. You know, in the I moment. I have it three times in my life. Once when I was caught in a machine making aluminum foil, almost chopped in half. Once at the bottom of my panic disorder, and then once in that TED talk, and just so that normal people could hear um, what it sounds like to have no way forward. Yeah, there, you know, where I've life is over. I've admitted that sound before in my life. Yeah, yeah. People who've been yeah. desperate and yeah. they'll rec they'll recognize that sound. You can absolutely. There's a fundamental humanity there. You know. Yeah. You know, it's so you have such an open heart, and and I and you talk about social transformation in the book, and you end on uh, perhaps the most important topic of all, and I want to give you the last word today on that topic. So, what is love? <laughs> Tell me what love is. <laughs> well, the last line in the book is, "Love isn't everything; it's the only thing." But the only thing. Yeah, yeah. I really do think. I mean, somebody asked me not too long about you know, like. Well, what is a significant life? What is a good life? And I said, it's, it's being who you are. And then what I didn't add, I wish I had, but I, what, what I believe is. And, and what is that? The closest word we've got to it is love. If you, are, if you just take what our humanity gives us, it gives us the capacity to connect with others. Consciousness is that. We're not conscious alone and cut off, stuck in the corner somewhere. Yeah, We were conscious because we were drawn in by the community who looked at our eyes and said, oh, you sweet baby. Yeah, And, you know, you dump natural opiates when that moment happened because, you know, I'm being seen by these kind eyes. I, I belong. That's the kind of monkey we are. Yeah. Yes. And when you build that out into values, you know, when people dig down to when you, you talked about your deepest values, check this out. 
I've never found anyone when they dig down to their deepest values that the values doesn't have something to do with people. Mm. Even if it's just beauty or something. Yeah, but it's beauty shared. It's beauty given. Beauty contributed. It isn't just a lo- the, the last person in the universe mm. with beauty. It's you want to share and appreciate and bring something to yourself, but also to others. Mm. And, you know, so if you walk around all of these things where we get kind of screwed up, I mean, even this capacity to feel and so forth, all of these things are facets and faces mm. of creating a loving space for yourself and others. If you wanted a single word for psychological flexibility, yeah. I gave you a six-person thing definition, yeah. and then we went down to the charades version, of, yeah. you know, open, aware, and active. It's open-hearted love. <laughs> yeah. A single word? If yeah, you single. Think, it would be love. And if you want it to a single letter, I'll give you the letter B. Ooh. Like B love is in being just love? Just B. Uh-oh. Just B. Because and oh, that's B. the sense of it's not everything, it's the only thing. I think if you were to put words to the quality of us when we're just, being it means creating this loving place with yourself and by extension Mm. with others um and to me that's what psychology is for love it i love it well thank you for all the amazing work you've done and uh all this is the book i don't know if you could see it in in the frame but you uh, talk about applications. To, there's relevance for anyone's life in here. You go yeah. through so much of all the human conditions that we have, right? And your work has impacted so many people. It has impacted my work, of course. Um, thank you so much for being here today. That was awesome. I'm really proud that I'm here on the first video. Uh, I don't know how it came out. But... <laughs> I, I hope it came out well, but I know yeah, our yeah. Uh, yeah. conversation really was... Uh, meaningful and moving for me thank you for being who you are and for uh, this playful space that you could create thank you i feel very much the same about you thank you so much um and if people want to watch this video uh, if you're listening to it on the podcast and you want to watch it go to the youtube channel the psychology podcast on youtube thanks everyone for tuning in and thank you steven Thanks for listening to this episode of The Psychology Podcast. If you'd like to react in some way to something you heard, I encourage you to join in the discussion at thepsychologypodcast.com. That's thepsychologypodcast.com. Also, please add a rating and review of the podcast on iTunes and subscribe to The Psychology Podcast YouTube channel as we're really trying to increase our viewership on YouTube. In fact, many of these episodes are in video format on YouTube, so you'll definitely want to check out that channel. Thanks for being such a great supporter of the podcast and tune in next time for more on the mind, brain, behavior, and creativity. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com.
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 